right, so we're doing, we had, you know, if you did not get a chance to watch When They See Us on Netflix, you definitely should, but we had to do this special segment because we needed to unload all of our thoughts and opinions on it because it was intense. Oh, yes. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it was necessary. A lot of people don't feel like it was a, a necessary pain to put black people through but it is a necessary story to be told because um, our age range can relate to it and those a little older than us. So we can help connect our children with it like uh, our grandparents help us relate to the times they grew up in. It's just to show children, you know, what you're hearing and what's going on in the streets aren't made up. You know, this happened and we were all here when it happened. Right. Yeah. So, so we're doing this special segment we have our dope ass engineer <laughs> that helps us every week all the music and stuff that y'all hear that helps us out and so he is a i call him the scholar he calls himself black nerd but he reads so many books and so he's gonna help us you know with this because you read the the book on um the central park five yeah this uh ava just oh my god she just <laughs> represented i've never seen um, just uh, dramatic telling of a story. Usually when uh, they do a, a drama about a real-life event, they change a lot of facts. So right mm -hmm. now I'm watching the show on HBO, Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. And I was super excited. And I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. And then I read an article about how much they changed, and pretty much nothing on the show happened. Oh, oh well, no. then, and it's based on a true story? Yeah, it's based on, on a true, true story. story. Uh, but not actual quotes. facts. Right. Yeah. yeah. But Ava, she represented in a major way, and reading the book, the book was written by Sarah Burns, who is the daughter of Ken Burns. The mm -hmm. book is based off a documentary uh, that Ken Burns did about the Central Park Five. Mm -hmm. And so reading the book and then just seeing... Uh, when they see us and how closely it follows the real life events or as close as you're going to get in a, a dramatic recreation. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I was just, the first hour, y'all talk about how emotional it was for y'all. The first hour, I was just sitting there flabbergasted, just amazed at how uh, a director and a writer could bring this real life event uh, to the screen and just be so accurate. Yeah. And most of the time they tell you, you know, the book is gonna be better than yeah. right. this is one time when they you don't have to read the book. Just yeah. <laughs> it's exactly and the same. It's yeah. rare for him to say because all he do is read. read books. Right. That's all you do. All he do is read. So not to lie, you know, tell your age B, but when this happened, do you remember it? I remember it. And uh this was really one of those things that kind of uh informed me of what the world thinks about black men and and at the time, I was in 11th grade. I was It was like the end of my junior year. And seeing this play out in the media, first of all, I hate the fact that I actually believe they were guilty when this went down. I didn't. We'll get there. And I feel guilty about that because as I grew older and, and came in contact with the things that we had to deal with as black people and just seeing how the world views black people, Black men and women, uh, I think a lot of times we emphasize how they view black men, but it's also women have a whole nother layer of things yeah. they have to deal with. And just seeing how the world views us, and I, I kind of just 
drank the Kool-Aid and was just going along with the story. Mm-hmm. But it really kind of informed me that my life could be taken away. Easily. Easily. Mm-hmm. Right. You can throw me in jail or kill me or do whatever they want Because that could have been you. Yeah, it could have been me. Yeah. I was really lame, so <laughs> if I saw a group of uh, young brothers going to the park, I probably would have went the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you were the same age, right? 15, 16. Now, yeah, I was a little bit older. I was, yes. like... Corey's age. Right, yeah, 16. 16, yeah. 16 going on 17. Yeah, yeah, so that was, uh, it was really, uh, for a lot of people my age, that was really like one of those things. Right before that happened, uh, uh, maybe a year or two before that, was the Tawana Brawley thing. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was another one of those things that kind of like messed my head up. So it was just, the, the late 80s and 90s sucked. <laughs> It was hard being black and young in yeah. the United States more than black and old. I think because the, uh, your generation was not the docile generation. You know, if you weren't fighting for civil rights, then you were acting like it wasn't going on. But your generation was more, you know, in your face, Hillman College, all of that. Yeah. So for, for that to happen, you see that you're still no different. Yeah. And what was uh, really hard about that time, we didn't really, we weren't really informed uh, of how to deal with racism Mm -hmm. because it was sort of a transition in racism. Mm -hmm. So what, um, uh, when they see us represents, if you've uh, watched the documentary 13 by Ava Mm -hmm. uh, or read the book, The New Jim Crow, you -hmm. understand what The New Jim Crow is. So what the Central Park Five story represents is the passing of the baton from the old Jim Crow Uh, to the new Jim Crow. Because the way they were able to sentence these young men for such a long time for this crime and the way they were able to treat them, a lot of that came out of the harsher sentencing they were able to do because of the crack cocaine epidemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just to slide this this side note in there, CIA is responsible for the crack cocaine uh, epidemic. Yes. Um, <laughs> Most pre- definitely. Ronald Reagan is definitely on top of that. He's the biggest drug dealer out here. <laughs> right. Okay, He yes. was dealing the drugs. Absolutely. Yeah. And the reporter Gary Webb uncovered this. It's a book called Dark Alliance. It's mm-hmm. a serious book. It's not for everybody because basically what he did was he uncovered the connection between CIA, uh, this cat name, I think his name was Daniel. Daniello Blandon, mm-hmm. who was Rick, Freeway Ricky Ross Drug Connect. Oh, okay. And it just happens so that Freeway Ricky Ross was the Steve Jobs of crack cocaine. Oh. So basically, Freeway Ricky Ross's Drug Connect had CIA protection. At first, they were just flying the cocaine in, but then when they start having problems with rival gangs, they started actually importing weapons in and giving it to selling it to these young men. Mm-hmm. And this was all part of the Iran-Contra. This was the other side of the Iran-Contra controversy because they were trying to raise money for the Contra armies to go mm-hmm. up against the Sandinistas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over there so, making deals foreignly and yeah. fucking up black communities at the same time. So, yeah, that's a side note, but that's <laughs> all uh, gave rise to the uh, crack cocaine epidemic in our communities and the war on drugs and the new Jim Crow. So this... The Central Park Five story is like the connection between old racism and a new racism. Right. Like they had to make an example out of somebody. Yeah, and, and they they talk about it a little bit in the the show, but they talk about it more in the uh, book about the the uh, context of what 
they the crime they were dealing with in New York and the issues they were having. And it really was a failure of leadership and not... In whose community? And it, it was uh, mostly... And first of all, it was most of the crime, majority of crime, majority of murders happened in the same race. So yeah. 84% of white people that are murdered are murdered by other white, white people. people. Okay. That yeah. that statistic has Yeah, I always say time. that there's no such thing as black, black on black, black crime. Crime. Yeah. crime is crime, number one. Number two, a <laughs> you, lot of crime feel, happens in same communities. You feel comfortable. Right, because it's happening, it's just where you are. It's yeah. like, crime is crime. I never understood that. I want to circle back because you said that you found yourself believing in... Um, what they were putting out on the media about these boys. And what I said watching the um, When They See Us was that the fucked up thing about what the power of the media and what Ava DuVernay was saying uh, when she was listening to what um, the news media at her age, she kind of connected like when they were saying wildling. And she was like, um, that don't mean what they're saying it means. Like, I don't, I, I don't see how they took some slang words that some kids were saying to me, we were just kicking it to, they were wolf pack and animals. And so, but I was saying to Dion, we were watching it. I was like, they really had black people like scared of these kids. Like they really had black people like, well, if they did such a horrible thing to that lady, then they deserve to go to jail. And they, Mm -hmm. they didn't have black people on their side. Uh -uh. And the media really, I felt contributed a lot to the 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 way that all of this went down with the boys. But haven't we even it doesn't that play true even in today's world? Right. Because look, even with the Russia you know, investigation, they're saying they created ads right. to push people towards him. So the media controls the public. So I wanted to know when you were watching it, what was what was what was the media really saying and what was like had you like, damn, these boys were well, it was and not wi- connect the two. It was the wilding out thing, and mm-hmm. like uh, uh, Ava was saying, when we would say we we would use this term, that's not what we mean. We'd be wilding out, bugging out. If somebody was really violent, we would say, "Yo, that kid got violent." Like, <laughs> yeah. that kid we is would crazy. say the word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was not a, a term that we would use for something like a uh, vicious crime like this. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's it, the media just had so much power back then because we didn't have the internet. Mm-hmm. So they basically, you basically had to believe what they said was on television. Yeah. And we didn't really have a context to really, we didn't have writers. We, at, well, we actually did have one writer, James Baldwin. And uh, our generation lost contact with his work because of uh, some negative things from a person by the name of Eldridge Cleaver, who wrote a <laughs> book called Soul on Ice. Ugh. And if we would have had the power of James Baldwin, a lot of us would have saw through this and saw what it was. Oh, okay, because mm-hmm. he was trying to put people on game that, that that's what they would do. And what's amazing about James Baldwin's writing, that I mean, still to this day, they're relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they still... Uh, he, he, he understood America... And to understand the story, you really have to understand America and how America views black people. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have that to help us to understand what was going on. So you just, you know, 
believing it because that's all you had. Yeah, and I mean, I was dealing with kids that would bully me, and okay, and yeah. so I, that was another part of it. And I was trying to get out of the projects. I was living in Claymore Homes in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, by that time, I had decided I needed to go to college. My older brother was a brilliant young man. He ended up winning like sixty thousand dollars in academic scholarships, so mm-hmm. he gave me a pathway out and a yeah. way out. And so that summer, when all of this was going down, uh, I was uh, just working on my art and trying to work on getting scholarships to get out of mm-hmm. uh, this situation I was in. Mm-hmm. And that was like a cautionary tale to me. Oh, And wow. it kind of scared me and it, it kind of formed kind of, uh, I didn't really understand the, the, uh, the full I didn't understand everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. So it, it's amazing to see what uh, she's done with this. And it's a must-see for everybody. And, I mean, even... I would like to talk about, like, the filmmaking of it. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Because, <laughs> to me, cinematically, it was amazing. And I and at first, she had caught me off guard because I thought she was going to do, like, the regular when they were young and then when they got older. And so that first transition, um, I didn't realize she did the stories of the boys and how they... Um, they were uh, tried and convicted. If you Mm -hmm. really notice, she put the people together of who were together when they were convicted. And so they showed them like their young story and then their transition into their older story. Mm -hmm. And so um, I thought she told it beautifully. And if I had have read the book and like you and been like, oh, wow, she told it like accurately, Mm -hmm. uh, I probably would have been more impressed. I think the writing was ridiculously dope yeah. and I think it's easy to follow it was so easy to follow and it was I'm a crybaby right but I like the people who can like really just make me cry every time they put something out is like Shonda Rhimes but see like casting that yes, was it and her casting, her was, casting was amazing was she, she found talent where you didn't know there was talent mm-hmm. and then even in their older stages they look so much like, like the, the men. Oh yeah. my goodness! You can't yeah. help but to feel like you were there. But yeah. wasn't she? Um, she was passionate about this story long before she. Yeah. Her name was known. She yeah, was I think sleeping. she. Yeah. I think she carried this story along with her as she's gotten. Yeah. What pissed? Let me tell you. <laughs> the this is how I know we was right on time because last week, if y'all were here, we talked about white women, okay. right? <laughs> Okay, tell them about it, Lex. And to have this white lady detect head of this sexual crimes thing just go so hard to put pieces where they didn't fit. They didn't even fit. Like that to me, that pissed me off. And and I think this was a happy circumstance, like an interesting circumstance to have Felicity Huffman. (laughs) Like, right, because you know, I'm pretty sure Ava had no idea about that school shit when she was doing this. And to have Felicity Huffman play such an awful bitch in real life, (laughs) and then now she's going to jail. It really made me like, I hope you fuck, I hope you you deserve to go so to jail, you stupid yeah, bitch. I was so bit. mad. Like, hey, Felicity, how she thought they call it? Right. It's like it lined up. Right. Ava was like, you know what? Keep instead it. of Instead of redoing it, she's, she's awful so, in yeah. this. Let's just put it out. It's just fine. But she, um, she gave us something 
that, like you said, not only is a cautionary tale, but it it makes you look at a story deeper before right. you believe it. It kind of keeps black people from being the ones that do remember being on the side of the media. Like maybe they did going through whatever. Now we have an open, you know, open our eyes a little more. Right. Like okay, well, well, let's hear all the stories because the media didn't release their story, their confessions. Right. You just heard that somebody confessed. That they, they confessed. confessed. And what got me because I do remember just. Um, over time hearing the little the news stories about the Central Park Five and they were saying they confessed and people were like, well, why did they confess to something that they didn't do? But technically, none of them ever confessed to doing the crime. Yeah. They all confessed to being there because they want the police to say you had to tie yourself yeah. into being there. But they never, conf- none of them ever confessed to raping them. They all po- pointed fingers at someone else saying, well, sure, he did it because only two of them knew each other. None of them knew each other for real, for real. Yeah, and that's one of the things and Ava illustrated perfectly. So when you read the book, uh, Sarah Burns talks about uh, this technique uh, mm-hmm. that cops use. Uh, if you, We're all familiar with it. It's called the good cop, bad cop, but the technical term is minimization and maximization. Mm-hmm. Minimizing and maximizing. So um, she illustrated that perfectly, the good cop, bad cop, the one cop, cop that's going to sympathize with you and appeal to your uh, uh, morality and yeah. tell you you can go home if you do this. And then the bad cop, the one that's going to threaten you and scare you. Mm-hmm. And she illustrated this perfectly and how they just, they they violated these young men. Right. Violated, viol, violated their rights because, right. first of all, um, most of them were under 16, so they shouldn't have been interviewing them as intense or as hard, with, but, especially with their parents weren't there. And they use these mm-hmm. little tricks to get the parents out of yeah, the room and right. do these yeah. different things. But so see, they don't see us as children. <coughs> There's the number one thing. They when the the wording that was used, like you said, wild and she said, Go get these animals when she was hyping up the police mm-hmm. officers to go find these guys that who, who raped this woman, they were like, Go get these animals, round up every thug. What's the thug? Right. She said every every animal in a hoodie. You know, they don't see us as children. She we basically know they said, were boys. every black boy in that park is a suspect. That's what she said. Yeah, there's a quote from Toni Morrison in uh, Book Beloved where it's, she's talking about uh, right after the Civil War. When, uh, I, I'm paraphrasing, but she was like, treating grown men like children and children like grown men. Like, white and black. Yeah, <laughs> white and black. Yeah. You baby these white like, men, yeah. and then you treating our our boys, our black boys, like, like grown me. men. My thing was, um, I watch a lot of First 48. Like, I am obsessed. And I and it's so funny, right? Because if I actually liked to study, I probably would have been a trial lawyer. Mm-hmm. But I hate studying. So, like, I knew reading reading law books and going through courts that I probably wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it. It was just a waste of money. But I love, and, I, and the thing is, I love law, and I know law is fucked up. To, well, I, like I told my people, I was like, the, the law works perfectly for the way well, it's yeah. set up. It's for, set up... For white people. Right. It is set up to continue to have black and brown people beneath white white, white supremacy. Yeah. It's basically a new slavery for us, right? To keep us in a certain level of, of life. The new Jim Crow. The new Jim Crow. The new Jim Crow. Right. And so... But I find it interesting because there, there are ways that you can use the law and to benefits, but the thing that 
I saw throughout that where they were getting parents to leave the room or, you know, these were working class parents. Mm -hmm. A lot of them either were struggling or they were working and they're, they're not, people are not educated on the law. And so to only have one parent be like, he's underage, you have him here without, even though that didn't help him much because he still got convicted and went to jail, I think that it's imperative to at least know some basis of of law, especially for African Americans and for the youth, because you need to know that if you're under a certain age, they cannot question you without an adult. You can Mm -hmm. always ask for a lawyer if you think you're being questioned as a suspect you need to know like they cannot do certain things because they're banking on you not knowing the law but see these boys were also raised not all of them was raised to know the police are bad well and that's a true statement as well so they're scared like any child would be scared but see only white child can show they can show fear in their innocence when black children do it it looks like they're They're lying. lying Yeah. That that's what was crazy about that. So they treated these boys who've never even been in an altercation at school like criminals. The little four, the fourteen year old mm-hmm. one, when they hit him in the face with the helmet, that was his first time, his first interaction with aggression outside of his household. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. And I and I also said, isn't it? How crazy is that if you're that young to be introduced to sex like that? Mm-hmm. For a, a police screaming at you that you did these horrible, violent, sexual things to this woman. And, like, to, like, what? I want to talk to these men. I heard three out of the five of them live here in this state. And I yeah. just want to be like, what kind of effect does that do to a, a, a black man, a man, to be introduced to violence and sex and the law and police all in this one yeah. circumstance? Well, all you did was just run in the park. Yeah. Well, I think part of that is it wasn't about a woman being raped, it was about a white woman being raped by black men or their perception of black men because right. it actually was boys. Boys. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't that's where you really have to look at how uh misogyny and racism and all these things are interconnected. And when we talk about what I, I really hate to hear when black women shy away from the idea of being called the feminist because in reality black women are the most true feminists Mm -hmm. because of what black women have to deal with black women don't only have to deal with racism they have to deal with misogyny and sexual harassment and all these things Mm -hmm. and black women are at their core the truest feminists and so when you disconnect um all of these different things homophobia misogyny uh sexism racism you could end up in a situation like this where they didn't really even understand. I don't think the police or the prosecutors really understood deep down what they were doing and that this was really just another version of a modern-day lynching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were a lynch mob. Mm-hmm. And they were out to get the... They weren't... Cons- they, I don't think they were really concerned about the, the fact that this woman was raped. It was a woman of a certain class and, and race mm-hmm. that was raped because mm-hmm. uh, there were a lot of other women raped. And after uh, they they, they uh, rounded up these young guys and, and, and uh, were interrogating, the guy that actually committed the rape uh, went on to rape five other women. Mm-hmm. And not only did he, he rape these women, he would brutalize them and he would, his 
part of his mo was to try to stab their eyes out. Mm-hmm. So, so they knew it was connected. Yeah, and one of the detectives that worked on that case when they finally caught the guy, but he never confessed. He only confessed to the Central Park rape uh, years, years later. But he worked on the same case. He worked on the case with the uh, the actual uh, rapist. Rapist, and so they, they never. Seen it. Yeah, they never. And and one of the most amazing things about it. Those kids didn't have any blood on them. Right. Right. Uh, They They had dirt because they were running from the police. Yeah, but this woman bled out. I think they said she bled out like 75% of her blood. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to charge five boys boys with raping a woman that almost bled to death? Blood would have been everywhere on them. And in fact, the guy that, uh, what was his name? Mateus Reyes. Reyes. He walked out of the park covered in In blood. blood. Mm-hmm. And, and no he, one said nothing to him. He said that he came across one of the detectives that uh-huh. uh, was on his way to the scene mm-hmm. of the crime, and they passed right by him. I don't know if that's true or not, because the guy was this guy was seriously messed up. Yeah, it's crazy. But he was walking around the park with blood. He had her uh, walk Walkman, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was walking around with a Walkman, and he had all his blood on him, and he just walked out of the park. And he, we see what happened. Mm. Like, I just... <sighs> To me, watching um, When They See Us and watching Felicity Huffman, the lady's name is Linda Fairstein. Let's get that together, number one. Yeah, side note, we got blocked from Linda Fairstein because after seeing that, because we had, as we watched, we were Googling, we were trying to find people, we Mm -hmm. were trying to figure out things. It looks like, what is her name? Right. So she found her, and we walked on over there to her page. Instagram. She's a crimes novelist. <laughs> oh, yeah. The lady now writes crime novels for a living. I bet she's whack, uh, too. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty off sure it's whack. Off the strength of her, that conviction of these five innocent black men, and Alexis read her properly. I tried to be as proper as I could. Yes, I still t- I still called her a bitch in one of them comments, though. Now, I called her and her mom and them a few bitches. <laughs> Fuck your kids. Kids, your kids. <laughs> Let's sock the ground where you, I said, when you die, I will find your grave. Sock the ground so that nothing shall grow. I got blocked after that yeah, one. Yeah, I got blocked, too. But, <laughs> and then we uh, sent other people over there, and she just disabled her comments. So, fuck you, Linda. I mean, if the rest of y'all who are hearing this and haven't ventured over to Linda, just use her Pam, like her spage is spam, you know, get her deleted off of there. You know, throw the rock. Right, throw the rock. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because the bitch, anyway, you stupid bitch. Um, (laughs) I was just watching her because the thing was, right, and even I know people have jobs to do. Yeah. I, I also understand that sometimes depending on your job, and these are especially when you have jobs that deal with lives. Mm-hmm that there needs some integrity needs to come in at some point, right? And so for the prosecutor, and I don't know um, how true, uh, her name is Sarah Burns, mm-hmm. uh, if that if she wrote this in the thing about the prosecutor saying, like, none of these things are connecting. What do you want me to do? Because, yeah. the, you know, there are no tracks. They don't have it. You know, the prosecutor was going back to Linda and was saying, this is not matching. I don't have a case. You don't have but a case. But she wasn't saying it as if I think you're you're looking in the wrong place. She was saying make it connect. She was that's that's my perception of I it. I think well, I don't know. See, my perception with the prosecutor was saying, you know these boys didn't do it. See, I got that from the lady who worked with her and who was telling her you're just trying to make Yeah, it that case. was a prosecutor. Oh, that's who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, okay, that was I the prosecutor. I was just talking about the DA. I'm sorry. No, no, the prosecutor was saying like, listen, 
Yeah. What do you want me? They're all their statements are not matching up, but they match up to the evidence of what we found in the other side of the park. Yeah. How are they getting the timelines are not matching? Like you're looking at this and you're saying what I've so like to me for Linda to continue to be like they did it. You're going to figure out how they did it. Like, no, bitch. Yeah. If it's not, if the evidence is not showing what I learned, especially I watched Making of a Murderer. Hello. And that second season with that badass white lady. <laughs> I don't know. She may be racist. I don't know, lady. But just watching that, she was a badass white lady just saying, all I do is look at the evidence and the mm-hmm. crime scene and I put it together and see what he was convicted on does it match the evidence yeah if it's not say if you're telling me this is how this murder was done and the evidence is saying that's not how it possibly it could not never have been done like that then then that's not who or how it was done so my thing is if you're telling us these are how these five boys raped this woman and none of the evidence is showing. At some point, you got to tell yourself, maybe these boys didn't do it. Yeah, but that's not how white people think. Exactly. <laughs> that's not and how And that is what pisses me off because it's, God, it's God not, forbid, now it's not it was about. A, it was a white man that not, did it. God forbid it's not about finding justice for the person because we're going to get to that lady too. Listen, um, what was her name? Her name is uh, Tasha Malili. Trisha Malili. Maylie. Trisha Maylie. I think Maylie. Maybe. Yeah, there you Trisha, go. Trisha, Miley, Miley, You know what, Lady. Trisha, I hate that happening to you, but fuck you too. <laughs> nah, no, no, say that. no, uh, no, she, no. I, she. I think what what happened was she never testified against them. She had no memory of it. Right. I don't think she ever fully engaged with that story. She is now claiming that she believes that there could have been other people there. And I, I, you can't fault her for that. But she was brutalized. She, she was, was raped. She was. But she's yeah. still saying the city didn't owe them nothing. She said they wasn't owed an apology. And in a recent post from her book release, she was saying that even though there's new evidence saying that they did have something to do with it. She said there's evidence out here y'all haven't even seen. I just seen recently. So... I'm not believing none of that. I think she's trying to stick to, you know, I don't remember, but people keep telling me stuff instead of just trying to disassociate her own opinion from what the police did. Just be like, listen, that was messed up, but don't, I don't want to be keep, keep tying me to that. Right. Stop asking her her opinion on it because she doesn't remember. Right. And it's clear DNA proves it. Now, I know she feels some way, but she cannot make any statements about what the police did and how she felt these boys should have been treated outside of what was right. Right, because to me, it it, it just became a witch hunt of just getting black kids because it's not about justice for her. Because if it was about justice for her, then you would want to put away who actually did it. And if your evidence was not lining up, then... And now she gets no justice because the statute of limitations is over. Didn't even and he she didn't he didn't she even didn't get, get convicted, convicted for her rape. He she was got just no in jail. Justice. Now you now you ruin two people's lives because she can't get over something and she got no justice for what happened to her because y'all spent more time trying to convict these boys and figure out what actually happened. I think the thing to take away from this is uh, I mean it's it's, it's, what, the, what, it's what they say in the streets. 
don't snitch, but it's not even <laughs> don't snitch. Don't talk to the police. Police do not <laughs> you have know your what? Don't make their job easy. <laughs> the police, was, they were the problems, but it was New York City police. Right. So we knew they were racist. I just want white people to know that they're racist. Everything is not right because it's coming from them. Right. That doesn't mean the information is correct. My thing is, think for yourselves. <laughs> if it don't if feel, it don't right, feel right, right, right. It, if it don't feel right, ask questions. But no, you have to know the law at least. I think if you know, if you know what they can use against you, you can at least govern yourself accordingly. All that happen if people pick up books and read. Yes, you could go to a law library. <laughs> they put random information about the law in books. Right. You have to read. Shoot, people. you watch the first 48, you could know a lot. I... <laughs> you, have to, you have to seek knowledge and not keep listening. I was watching the episode of that. It was funny because uh, all the woman did, they went and got him a cheeseburger and she went over and gave him a hug and he just started telling. <laughs> was it Memphis? Because you know Caroline Mason can get a thug to cry and a snitch in a minute. Listen, I love, I love me some First 48 and they don't do Memphis no more. I don't even know if she's still a detective over there but if you watch First 48, you know Caroline Mason, you know she's from Memphis and that, that bad black lady can make a the cry in 20 seconds. Oh, yeah, it was no. a sister, but I don't, I don't even think it was a Big Mac. I think it was just a plain cheese. Oh, <laughs> no. Because she from the hood and she'd be like, now listen, baby. I know it's tough out here for a black man. I know all you're trying to do is make a dollar. And some shit happens sometimes. You know, I know it's hard. Your pride get in your way. And they just, <laughs> okay, listen, this is what like happened. Y'all got to start talking about y'all feelings. Okay, mental Don't health. Hello. Right. Right. The, the police there to trick you. That's what they there for. But, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like Deion said, just read. That's the main thing. We read gotta a read. book. Just read. read. You read have to new, know. Read the new Jim Crow yeah. by Michelle Alexander. Right. Read that book. Watch you thirteen. Right. Watch, Watch 13, thirteen on Netflix. Watch anything that Ava Duvernay does. Yeah. does. <laughs> anything that she does. I'm, I, I I loved A Wrinkle in Time. I love that. That okay. was really there's, there's a debate in the house that A Wrinkle in Time was I not great. That. I was mad. At, I was mad at her for for Selma, and she put that little thing about Dr. King having an affair. And then I did the research. Yeah. Yeah. Now she was keeping it. Now listen. Now what she does is do keep, her research. She, she does her research. Now. She reads books. Yeah. She reads. You have to read. People are like, how do you know so many random things? Because I like books. <laughs> and Brian knows so much. Oh my goodness. He is just a walking vault of like vaults is not yes. Yeah. He just yes. knows so much. So but yeah, the, it was a great story. I think I I love that she stayed true to what you said was written mm-hmm. because and I and I was telling B Brian earlier, I was like, I think that she did that purposefully because the narrative that they painted for them before mm-hmm. was so wrong. And yeah. to tell their true story was just another way of giving them some justice mm-hmm. even though they can never like they there was an interview our friend Shalana just tagged us on with the with the men sat down um and they were saying because the man had asked them did the money help mm-hmm. because if y'all know they got a settlement a 41, 41 million, million dollar settlement I think that's showing for 52 million <laughs> okay. on top of that nice okay. as they should and I hope they get every penny of it it's never enough right but they were saying it helped them you know leave from New York most of them Kevin and Corey is still in New York, Mm -hmm. Um, but it helped them, you know, set up some better lives for their family and their children, but we can never get that time back. You know, we can never get what we lost. I mean, 
poor dude lost his dad. The yeah. Antron lost his whole father over this because his dad was not equipped with the law. Or or the, the knowledge. Right. Or the backbone. Right. And really. it made him say he did something he didn't do. And they ruined their whole relationship. You know what I'm saying? He can never get that back. All the time they spent in jail, they can never get back. So I think that her telling their true story and and, and humanizing who they were because that I think that even just that name, the Central Park Five, yeah. still carries that stigma of they, they did, did something. something. Yeah. And so I think to humanize them and continuously understand who their names are, if they are Antron, yeah. Kevin... Raymond, Corey, yeah, and she, and uh, Yusef, Yusef Salam, and if you, to just know their names outside of that and humanize them, I think gave them another set of justice. Yeah. Just a little, a little bit to take your story wise, back, yeah. right? You reclaim your identity because now we know them as the people who have the the nonprofit to help innocent, you know, felons. Right. Not only you know get back, get out of jail. Get right. their rights back. You know, they're they're helping people. They're going through cases where the racist judges just put people up. Right. You know, there's a lady in Alabama who owned a medical lab, and she falsified drug test results. People lost their children, their jobs. She They out there helping people like this. Because right. now you got to figure out, who who are this lady the fucked up? Who's serving time in jail? Right. Maybe on a three-strike law. And you it's know? not just jail either. It's about, now you have... And lost all your rights once you've come out, yeah. right? They were sex offenders. Yeah. They can't you can't vote. You can't they've lost She some, did a great job of illustrating. Right. Yeah. Right. You lost it's not just you went to jail for something you didn't do at a super duper young age, mm-hmm. but now you're an adult. You spend a lot of adult time in there and now you're an adult with no rights. Mm-hmm. And you are looked at as the scum of the earth because, of course, I'm pretty sure there are still a bunch of white people who are still alive who were alive at that time and think that those boys we did still it. did it. Yeah, your president. Oh, yeah. Oh, and le- and, and she, she made it a, a point to too. call him a monster and a bigot every time they she brought up his name because he's a monster. <laughs> he's a bigot. He's a liar. He doesn't want nothing great again. He don't give a fuck about Americans, not black, white, or indifferent. That nigga is in debt. <laughs> he know there's a spot in hell for him, and that's why he's still alive, because God don't want him, and the devil can't do nothing with him. <laughs> fuck you, Trump. <laughs> Shit, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Honey, she said what I thought, so I don't even need to rant. You know what's up. <laughs> that is it. Well, what I took away from it was, uh, now I am pro-global warming. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Burn this bitch down. <laughs> Revolution, but we can't contribute. <laughs> eat as many cheeseburgers as you possibly oh, can. No. Cows are killing us, y'all. Cows are killing us. It's cow poop. Right, it's cow poop. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I think it was great. If you haven't seen it, you've gotten this far. You see, it's a bunch of spoilers, but it's a true story. You could Google it. So. Could you um, could you reference just some books relating to this, and or also some just some good black books for right. people to have? So okay, we, we got the new Jim Crow out there. The new Jim Crow is a must read. Right. Uh, so we had the new Jim Crow. Um, uh, what else is on the list? This, oh. this, the book for when, um, for the Central Park Five. What is that book actually called? The Central Park Five. But you don't need oh. to watch it to oh. read it. Just watch it. I'm oh, telling okay. you, okay. This, this, uh, movie, TV series, whatever you call it, is 
I've, I've never seen anything so accurate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just you know, watch. I didn't have to waste your time. Just mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, uh, one book you definitely should read is Angela Davis, Women, Race, and Class. That'll mm-hmm. give you an understanding why black women should reclaim the term feminist. Black women are the true feminists. Okay. Angela Davis is more than just a hairdo. <laughs> um, Amen. Anything by James Baldwin, especially the essay work, uh, mm-hmm. one that people will tell you is The Fire Next Time, mm-hmm. which is absolutely fantastic. But any of his essay work, um, uh, No Name in the Street, Nobody Knows My Name, Notes of a Native Son. He even wrote a book about the Atlanta child murders, which was really good, called Evidence of Things Not Seen, which yeah. is really amazing. And uh, he actually, in his essays, wrote uh, a couple of essays about Atlanta back in the day. Oh, nice. Uh, so anything by James Baldwin, pretty much. ta Coates, Between the World and Me, which is absolutely amazing. Um, uh, Bell Hooks. Uh, black women are really running the essay the long form essay game right now. So you got Brittany Cooper, Eloquent Rage, you got Morgan Jerkins, uh, This Would Be My Undoing. Uh, uh, Sister Monique Morris wrote this great book called Black Stats, which is just statistical information about black people where we are right now as far as crime, economics, all of this. I mean, uh, mean, everything is in there. We're going to have a weekly just just Brian's Brian's book club. That's what we're going to do. Brian's book book club. Because y'all, listen, if he says go read a book, go read that book. I'm two books in already from it. Go Go read that that book. book. So those books that he just said, go get them. And also, y'all don't talk about it enough. Alexis Nicole. <laughs> so I gave I gave you all of these yes. real heavy serious books. So after you read those, read uh, All in a Day. Yes, about me. Book. Yeah. The, the book that'll relax your mind and just show you the power of a love of a family and what they can do when they come together and work out the issues. Oh my goodness. So read great. Alexis Nicole. Yes. Read Alexis Nicole. <laughs> I got four of them out there, okay? But All in a Day is, I, that's probably my baby. So I would definitely, definitely go get All in a my Day. My favorite is Day Cute Man Rich by Alexis Nicole. <laughs> I hold that one true to that my heart. Because <laughs> she knows she all looking through there. No, that's man, why. That, that, that um, is like a time period and Alexis and I are friendship yep. and life that is it kind of kind of molded us together so it always feels it's nostalgic to me and it's just mm-hmm. it's us it's us it's it, us it's us yeah so i love it yeah so and actually it's so funny that all in a day people always ask me how i come up with that that is an I took that idea from my actual family. So it's basically the story is just like all it's like we you had a wedding, a funeral and a family reunion all in one day. And that actually happened to me. Okay, my family did that. Okay, don't ask us how. It just happened. It was in Mississippi, so oh, don't there, do the there stuff you go. Like that. <laughs> 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 uh, you know what? Thank you all, um, Brian. This was great. Follow Brian at uh, Black Nerd on Instagram. Nerd, nerd, pop. Nerd pop. Oh, nerd, nerd pop. pop. I also had one called 
Beautiful Black Woman album. Yes. It was the album that I was working on, and then it fell through. Please <laughs> keep working on that. If you notice some of the memes we put up on the Where's Blah page, it comes from Brian. He yes. composes them. He puts them himself. He's working on Black Gifts. He's just amazing. And he's our technician. And so. he's just dope like that. Yeah. And we're going to keep having him on, keep giving y'all some knowledge and some more books, because we got to read. There's not, it's never enough reading. Right. Yeah. So, and we this was amazing. Y'all go see when they see us, if you haven't. Yes. And if you have, educate your people yeah. and keep their stories alive so we cannot have to go through this <laughs> ever again. I mean, we're going to keep with the fight, but... but Leave your air conditioner on. Get <laughs> Let's burn it down. Like <laughs> All right. All right. We'll talk to y'all later.